Welcome to the Let's Talk Energy podcast from EnergyNet. This series was recorded at the Africa Energy Forum 2023 in Nairobi, Kenya. Join us for this and other episodes as we talk to the industry players, stakeholders, and rising stars of Africa's energy sector. morning. Uh, my name is Shirley Weber and I am the coverage head for resources and energy at APSA Bank Limited, um, looking after mining and metals, oil and gas, renewables, as well as the commodity traders. Thank you for having me. Hello, I'm John Marks. I'm chairman and editorial director of Cross Border Information. We publish African Energy. We have the live data uh, platform, which has more power projects recorded on it, in fact, across Africa than any other source. Um, Long-time observer of Africa and really pleased to be here talking to Shirley Weber. Um, you know, it's interesting coming into Nairobi. So you get off the plane and the first thing you want to do is pick up a few Kenyan shillings. And it's very interesting that it's not one of the big Kenyan commercial banks. It's the first bank whose machine gets you when you're coming out of the bank. It's Absa Bank. There's and then you come into central Nairobi, you're in the CBD, and you're walking around, and there's the Absa Bank Tower. It's a very, very present bank. It's a very, well, I always thought a very South African bank was very present here. Um, so, so you must feel quite at home in Nairobi. No, thanks, John. We, we do feel at home in Nairobi. Our local Kenya operations in, in various forms have been here for, you know, close to 150 years, though. So um, the fact that we, they've taken on the APSA brand just makes it, you know, closer to home for us. But it's a real Kenya uh, brand as well now that they've been building. That's good. And, and very integrated into the group? Uh, very integrated into the APSA group, like many of our other African countries as well. And we are building the, the, the APSA brand on the continent because that's our backyard. That's where we want to be. Yeah. Now, you personally have a, a big portfolio in the project finance kind of business, minerals, whatever. What percentage of that at the moment is in South Africa and what percentage sort of outside? And where do you see the happening places outside, if anywhere is happening? Because I know in some of the power projects and things going slowly. Yeah. So if I look over the last seven years, how... Um, activity has changed, um, you know, from a wider portfolio basis. Seven years ago, it was like 5 to 10% activity on the African continent outside of Africa. But now it's moving to more 60-40 um, type That's of split. That's quite substantial, isn't it? Yeah, so um, Africa is important for, for the continent and, cl and clearly um, volumes um, change o over the years. So the 60-40 split is growing substantially from a nominal value point of view. And what's driven that? So um, if you look at the mining activity, um, and, and maybe I just need to split that up a little bit, um, the mining activity, clearly there's a lot of battery minerals also on the continent, especially here on the East African side. And things like graphite, you know, um, the lithium, you know, not necessarily copper, but it's, it's on the continent and the rest of the world want those newer technology, um, you know, uh, minerals. So we see that definitely having an impact. 
Um, on the on the on the gas side, again, um, not necessarily in Kenya so much, but in Tanzania, we've seen the 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 gas to power activity. Um, the renewables will always be there because that's important for for the world and the the transition to greener energy. Um, but it will take time. But we've seen this dramatic change in the way that everyone is looking at things like electric vehicles, just to, to give an example. Yes. And uh, maybe the la latter part, uh, the, the last part of the portfolio is the, the trading part. And the commodity trading is just happening dramatically. But I do think that um, the energy trading is still very much lacking behind um, compared to our European counterparts. Absolutely, you'd like a bigger energy trading, and that that would mean further developments within the Southern African Power Pool, EAPP, WAP, doing more. Would you, they're, they're, they're potentially live opportunities that you're looking at, but waiting to see what happens. I think it is a bit of a waiting um, um, game, John, but I think the most important part is can we just stabilize energy supply in South Africa, make sure that the rest of Africa also have got a diverse supply of energy, and then maybe we should think about the trading part um, to make sure then that growth can happen in, in these various countries of ours. You mentioned South Africa and the extreme problems in the industry. What we hear a lot is people saying, well, yes, the conventional industry, ESCOM, we all know a lot about this. But the CNI revolution, in some degree, the conventional electricity, from my own personal view, the extreme um, dysfunction in the conventional electricity industry is actually spurring a remarkable off-grid revolution that actually could well spread from South Africa across the continent when people sort out their utilities. So is CNI really the big space for, that you're in at the moment? I, I believe that is. Um, and I think it's a good thing for South Africa, and let's start there. <clears throat> We've seen about 89 mining projects, you know, about 30 companies looking at, you know, these um, more captive power solutions. And that will obviously take a lot of pressure off the grid now that regulations, you know, have changed and the ceiling removed, you know, and people and the mining companies can put up, you know, big, big power plants, what is needed for them. Um, I believe the, the, it will have a flow over into the rest of Africa, but our African countries need to change their rules and regulations as well because it's not as easy. So whilst we have our regulator that's working on the, the reprograms and the batteries and the gas to power that's coming in, um, <clears throat> the, uh, the African countries need to, to change their, their legislation as well, which will then uh, give a big opportunity for many of the various industries like mining to, to obviously put up power plants. But I think it doesn't stop at mining. It's the industrial users, the, the big energy users that can make now use of that um, in South Africa. And, and in fact, all, all, all the way across, I mean, shopping malls, the, as, as well as solar home systems and all, all that stuff, it, it, it is a shift off the grid. And it's quite interesting that um, every cloud, as we say, has a silver lining and may be looking at a paradigm shift in the way people do energy because of the problem. But South Africa, you know, you, you're in the front line of this. Yeah, no, no, we are completely in the front line. 
And I, I, I am very supportive, you know, of our IPP office and the way they've gone about, you know, with the various programs. Clearly, the relaxation of that ceiling was important. Critical, yeah. And <clears throat> what I think we, we do need to do, though, is the generation is one thing, but it must be moved or distributed. And so the distribution, transmission, you know, the grid, um, it needs to be expanded. And there, I think, a few stakeholders should work together, um, you know, um, government, private investors, you know, like we've had. IPP for generation. Yes. We should actually have that for, for the rest of that value chain. The ICP as well. and yes. whatever. S to make it more effective and to make sure that that growth actually is spurred. Because <coughs> renewables can't just replace no. existing. We need to build on it um, because there's an increased need for energy. It's a really interesting trend. And clearly, I mean, people are catching up with the transmission thing. I mean, if you look at the AEF over, over the years, this constituency has been so generation focused and there was always the view that transmission is the natural monopoly, that doing investment in it as, a, as, a, as an asset, a financial asset is very difficult. And that's kind of changing, but people don't quite know how to change it. I mean, as a banker, Clearly, you can see that there's going to be a huge amount of transmission opportunities, but are there actually transmission possibilities for you to be funding projects I that are outside, you know, the ESCOM <coughs> transmission? I, I do think there is an opportunity to, to look at the infrastructure or the transmission, um, um, you know, funding. Uh, I think it will have to be carefully managed, um, terms and conditions, you know, if it's if it's built and owned by whom, you know, um, it's all of those nuances that will have to be checked as well. But it will not be able to be rolled out if there's not funding available. For example, you know, investing is one thing, but it can't just be equity. It, uh, it there needs to be you know financial institution funding coming through. And it can't be the state. Uh, no, no, it, it can't be the same. Uh, but the reality is. Um, as and when the first big one is open for funding, like we've seen with private companies or um, corporate companies putting up their own power plants and negotiating PPAs, there will be a standard that will have to be generated, you know, for the terms and tariffs and, you know, what's the usage. So for me, I see it very similar and maybe it's a very simple <laughs> analogy. I see it like a railway line. Right. Somebody must build it, and somebody's going to use it. Who's going to pay for it? So, but it needs a discussion to put in place the framework, yes. the regulations, and it, 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 a lot of it comes back to regulations. I mean, you, you were mentioning before the, the 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 lifting of that that very tight cap on what people could produce um, <clears throat> um, outside the conventional grid, and how everything's taken off. And in fact, possibly, you know, historically it'll be seen that that one measure, which is not very sexy if you're writing it up in a general newspaper, but actually is one of the most important things that's actually happened. No doubt. No doubt in my life. <coughs> I think the first one is always difficult. We've seen it with <coughs> the first captive power plants being, um, you know, um, put in place. Um, you know, it's not necessarily in operation still. I mean, it's being built. Um, uh, but just the legal agreements, it, it will take a while, um, you know, before it's 
signed up and everyone agrees to the PPA, if there's two parties involved, it becomes very easy. But as soon as you get two or three or four parties in the mix, clearly everyone wants to make sure that they've got the best part of the deal. So it's the, the lawyers that are coming out <laughs> happy. <laughs> it's, um, <clears throat> it's a very interesting thing. Speaking from a banker's perspective, with because there clearly is a CNI boom, it's the one bit that's really booming. Are there specific risk issues that you have to address that you didn't, or is it just normal corporate deal that you'd be very used to doing for other other kinds of assets? And I think we do look at this differently. Clearly, you will have the IPP that 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 is involved with the corporate client and let's use mining companies as an example because that's very relevant as we speak. Um, <clears throat> the, the IPP doesn't become a discussion normally at credit committee because we believe that the IPPs we deal with are, are relevant and, and obviously um, financially strong and stable. But then it becomes the question, is the life of mine, for example, you know, if we have to put a 15-year um, loan in place, for example, like we've seen with a government Don't program. Don't want a 10-year life of mine. No, so we want to make sure that at least there's a life of mine of 20 years or, or longer. But more importantly, the, the thing that's coming up in each and every um, discussion is what if something goes wrong with the mining entity? What do we do then with that power? And we, we believe, for example, in South Africa, where many of the mines are situated, there will be an off-taker. Okay. And depending if it's, um, you know, close to substations or not, you know, can it be fed through the grid? You know, if it's a separate power plant, that's, that's operation just for the mine. So then becomes the, the whole the wheeling arrangement, is it before or after the meter? All of those things become important um, because as a financial institution, we want to make sure if we buy into the IPP, we buy into the mine, um, and if something goes wrong with the mine, that there's other off-takers that will take it up. So so that, that, that actually the other off-taker issue is, is another level of comfort. Yes. Very interesting perspective. Um, we're racing through things. We went very quickly past the critical minerals, <coughs> um, and we certainly observe it. And in, out, in, but particularly outside South Africa, I mean, my, my colleague Mark Howard's been doing a lot, for example, on the graphite projects in um, in Madagascar and Tanzania. Um, so, which of course also are a, a big financing opportunity, um, debt as well as equity, I presume, and. Uh, what are the specific issues around those new minerals, or, or, or the fact that the that you're talking about lithium or, or graphite or, or or cobalt, which of course has been around a long time, um, that is being seen as a new mineral being fought over strategically, but actually it's still a mineral, and same as iron ore or or bauxite or whatever. Is it? Is, are there big differences? Um, there are differences. If you compare the energy minerals and metals and uh, the ones that you've mentioned, many of the, well, all of those can't necessarily be hedged, like gold and platinum, you know, where there's a standard price, you know, and, and you can actually manage the, the actual commodity risk um, with it. So what we had and still doing on specifically um, a graphite, we have to make sure that we understand that ore body because you get 
you know, flaky graphite, you get different types of, of graphite. Make sure that you understand what's in, in, in the ore body. Also making sure that you understand the sponsor, you know, that's looking after that. Do they have one mine only or do they have a, a few mines, even if it's in a different commodity, which is always good to have diversification. But also then where is it going? Um, and where is it going becomes a value chain question. In country, we've seen that bene beneficiation and manufacturing must actually ha start happening, you know, in many of our African countries um, uh, before it necessarily leaves uh, the country. Um, but the, 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 the ability, for example, to put up a, a quick smelter or a processing plant, that takes time as well. So as you build up the, the expansion of the mine, um, <clears throat> that might take a while to, to happen. So, and where's it going? Is it going to Europe? Is it going to China? You know, where's the batteries, for example, on the graphite site? Where is it being manufactured? So all of those aspects we look at. Um, <clears throat> we've seen lithium for us is a bit difficult. And when I say difficult, we're very okay to look at it, but the ore bodies, it's difficult because in one ore body you can get different grades of lithium and how do you price it then? How do you do a financial model? You know, if it's still early stages. Um, even rare earths for us that is used, you know, in, in the wind turbines, um, that is an important one to look at. And I do believe as a financial institution, those are commodities that we should be focusing on. Because as everyone moves through the transition, you know, Africa has got gas, um, et cetera. Maybe there's, there's a diversification of revenue for our African countries. And that's where I think financial institutions can play a role in, in also looking at those minerals, although it's difficult, but rare earths have got an exchange where it's traded. You can see what happened over the last how many years. So um, we are really trying to build up our knowledge and experience in that. Um, but I think we need to look at that for, for Africa. It's interesting because also where, where a lot of these minerals are coming, uh, some of the traditional difficult places, I mean, clearly the outrageously rich Democratic Republic of Congo, population is outrageously poor. Um, but looking at lithium, I mean, we've been looking quite a lot at, um, at Namibia and the, the issues there. Tanzania coming out of the Magafuli experience, um, the graphite. Um, it's, it's an interesting mix, but clearly absolutely essential for the global economy. So the d demand's there, isn't it? It just depends who's demanding. No, the demand is definitely <coughs> there. I think the, the, the financial support needs to be built. Um, for us, the, the, the African countries and things like political stability, you know, um, monetary and fiscal policy, the clarity around this. Um, I think one thing that many of our African countries, um, you know, needs to focus on as well from one election to another, the stability, you know, the flow over of everything that was good, let's keep what was good and what was put in place so that investors can actually come in and, and, and help the, the growth of the economy. <clears throat> for me, um, employment, um, economic growth for, for, for our African countries, it is, it's essential. Absolutely. Otherwise, we're going to be left behind. Um, yes. So overall, <coughs> looking ahead, AEF next year, Sharm el-Sheikh, very nice. We're bringing the uh, bathing suit. 
um, <coughs> on the lovely Red Sea. Um, what shifts, what trends do you think we're going to see over the next year that will affect yourself and just more widely, someone who looks so... Um, I think in, in general, um, the power and renewables, South Africa will grow. Um, I think the, the battery storage, which is new for South Africa, um, I think that's a, a phase where we will see what is happening, especially with the type of technologies um, that, is, that, is, that is currently out there. Um, we see the gas to power in South Africa happening, but we also see a lot of gas to power happening in Africa. So mm. I think that's going to be a trend that might be moving up. Um, but um, many of the African countries also, I, I'm sure, realize that it can't just be gas to power. They need to build the renewable part as well, because we know that sustainability is going to be very important. Investors will follow that capital where they can see there's a the benefit, you know, for the for for carbon emissions and things like that. And um, I, I believe. Because South Africa has done so well in the government programs and implementing at least, you know, big parts of what they've set in the integrated resource plan that the Af other African countries will follow suit in maybe putting up those programs, which will enable, um, you know, more renewables coming into place and maybe the more CNI space opening up for the industrial users. So... I think as, as a bank, we, we see that as a few trends and we're very supportive of the continent and hopefully that will come out more in the next year's AEF. Great. Well, I look forward to seeing you at next year's AEF and thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Welcome to the Let's Talk Energy podcast from EnergyNet. This series was recorded at the Africa Energy Forum 2023 in Nairobi, Kenya. Join us for this and other episodes as we talk to the industry players, stakeholders and rising stars of Africa's energy sector.